0: We've got some fresh new Hey, this is Louise, and
1: welcome to the Content is Profit podcast. In here, you're going to get the insights, accountability, and drive to create consistently and increase your revenue. You hear from top entrepreneurs, creators, and anything and everything you need to know about content, all this while having a good time. The goal of this podcast is simple entertain, educate, and turn your content into Profit. That's right. Welcome back, guys, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Contents Profit. Today, we have a very special episode. But before, before that, I know that we promised that we're going to go over a full debrief on podcast movement. And on the plane back from uh, Dallas, Texas, we're like, oh my gosh, there's so much material. So we're going to actually meet today, today Monday, at the office to go and plan this out. So that's what we kind of held up on uh, on that episode today. But don't you were. We have an amazing conversation with none other than Benjamin Shapiro, the host of the MarTech Podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you for all the support. All the downloads have been incredible this past month. Uh, as you know, the la- last week we were at Podcast Movement from Wednesday on, and it was an incredible experience. For those who don't know what Podcast Movement is, is the number one podcast um, conference out there in the world. So we had the biggest companies, the Hotspot Podcast Network was present, obviously, and we were out there with everybody just part of the panel, and we talked about community, we talked about how you should be doing, uh, joining a network, so as soon as we get that recording, hopefully we can, we're can we able to post it out here, but uh, the promise, you know, we said that we're going to debrief all that, but there was so much good content, so we're actually going to do it in here in the office first, and then we're going to uh, release it as, I think, the Wednesday and Friday episode. I think that's going to be good. So, uh, also, we got to Jacksonville at like 2.30 in the morning, and uh, we decided that this weekend was recharge family time. I was actually at the zoo with the kiddos today. Such a good time. It was very hot, but thank god they have a water break. Anyways, today today we have a very special episode. Like I said with Benjamin Shapiro, the host of Martech. They hosted us um about a month ago or a few weeks ago on their show. And we talked, we did two episodes with them. Uh, one of them being fail-proof B2B content. And yes, there is such a thing as fail-proof B2B content. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the real story on how content profit startup. It is quite crazy. And then uh, how to create unlimited opportunities. Yes, there is such a thing. I was actually on a call with a gentleman in the real estate industry, and uh, their mind was blown. So I can't remember exactly if we shared this story, but that is a good story. If you want to hear it, let me know. Uh, also, how to use the publishing pyramid to create a skill and the
0: M2M strategy. So that's right. That said, enjoy. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro. And today we're going to discuss how to build fail-proof content for B2B. Luis Fonzi, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Uh, We're excited to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to have you both here. Yesterday, we talked about creating fail-proof B2B content Honestly, it's something that we've discussed a little bit on the MarTech podcast, the idea of focusing on the message first, making sure that you have something to say, and then you're creating as much content as you can, but you're also breaking it down to smaller consumable chunks across multiple platforms. Dare I say the Gary V or Gary Vanderchucking your content. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about podcast and content monetization. You're not just the biz bros, you're successful business owners. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how you've built content platforms and how you're starting to think about making some coin from them. You guys are notoriously famous, successful content producers. How did you develop your first six-figure content platform?
1: That was definitely our, our Hail Mary after Corona hit Florida the last couple of years. We were serving local businesses and we found ourselves with about 60 days worth of runway And we were like, what, one of the clients that we had at the time, I think it was like our only online person was publishing podcasts. And we're like, okay, you know, people keep saying, go publish. And we didn't really see the connection between the publishing and the revenue at the time, except people that watched the content. But at the time there was zero audience. (laughs) So we started publishing three times a week. And then suddenly after we had a couple of guests and we had conversations right after the interview. And those conversations panned out naturally to opportunities because they asked us, hey, what do you guys do? Or I like what you guys are doing. Can you show me a little bit more? And that was a light bulb moment that we had around episode 20. We're about 300 plus at the moment, but it was episode 20. And we we're like, okay, I think there's something here. And we started exploring a little bit more. And then we started being a little bit more conscious about who do we bring into the show? Why do we bring them? apart from the content that's created on the show, but what is the opportunity that could be part of it that can come after the show? So that was it really the spark that lighted up. And then we've been able to develop that process a little bit further. We executed on something called podcast flow, which is how we basically a step in our sales pipeline. And that's how we were able to find our ideal client. That's how we were able to find the pricing that we needed for a service that it was brand new to us. And that's how we were able to cross our first six figures ever in our business (laughs) shortly after we started our show. So it means a lot to us. This is what kind of allowed us to go out and hire a team and continue to grow and help the people that we help now.
0: You know, it's a gratifying and funny moment when you're starting to do something that starts off as a project, even an art project. Sometimes I I started the MarTech podcast. It was lead generation for my consulting business. And the next thing you know, people are saying, hey, you know, I would pay to be on the show or sponsor the show when it becomes real money. When you're thinking about podcast monetization, what are some of the different ways that you thought about monetizing? Did you think about advertising or was it always as lead gen for professional services?
2: Well, actually at first, when we started, or thought it was selling to the audience, right? Oh, we're definitely gonna (laughs) reach a lot of people. We got some services that we can offer them and they're gonna reach out to us and eventually we're gonna sell a lot of our services. Lots of crickets. Yeah, lots of crickets, right? (laughs) But like Sered, then we discover, and it's not a new discovery. I'm sure other people were doing it on their own, but for us, it was something new that we haven't heard before. And we realized that the people that we're bringing on the show actually fit the profile of the people that we wanted to work with. We're like, man, these people believe in content. They're already publishing content. They just need a fractional content team that can come in and help them create more content out of that one that they already have. So that evolution happened. And then actually started recently, we already knew about sponsorships and all that, but we never seek that out. We were just focusing on building our relationships because it has been extremely satisfying and gratifying to build strong relationships. Now it has presented opportunities as being MCs at different events, being speakers at other events as well. So we just decided to focus on that. And recently with the HubSpot Podcast Network, came out the thought of, huh, maybe there is a way here that we can monetize the podcast in a different way as well, or maybe join a a network and leverage that to grow the podcast and grow the audience and find other ways to monetize it. So really until about three months ago when we got accepted into the HubSpot podcast network, that was when we finally started thinking more about, okay, well, what about if we give it a chance for sponsorships? But those are kind of like the three main ways that we thought about it, right? Selling to your audience, building those strong relationships with your guests and then the sponsorships.
0: So talk to me about what seemed to be the primary source of monetization from you, working with the people that you're interviewing. What are the ways that you're, A, figuring out what their needs are, building products and services that help satisfy them, and then also communicating that you have products and services without being overly salesy?
2: 100%. That's always a sensitive topic for some reason. Yeah. But I think it's a key question that if people manage yeah. to understand, it's just going to make it way easier yeah. for them.
1: So, a little background, right? Our company was bootstrapped before we launched the show. We were doing stuff or playing business for about six years, trying different things. We mentioned it a little bit yesterday. And there's, again, no investment, no cash. We had about 60 days worth of runway. <laughs> and that's with no team, no nothing. Right. So, we're like, okay. If this is going to become a thing, if we want visitors to survive, we have to make money yesterday after we receive all those phone calls. So we're like, okay, we started producing and as we started creating this content, right, we're exposed to obviously sales on the marketing message, different things, people that we were following at the time. And one of the questions that came up was like, what is the fastest path to cash, right? If I'm talking to an audience, how many points of contact do I need to have with that in person for them to trust us enough? to even jump on a call (laughs) to offer our services. But initially, what is the fastest path? The decision maker. So we started using the show as a lever to target or have a conversation with that person that we thought it was probably an ideal client. So we started as close as possible to our network, people in our masterminds, our coaches, and how we normally do the transition. There's a relationship building aspect before the interview happens. There's something that happens like right before the interview when we're about to go live. Our show is very peculiar in the fact that we're actually doing it live and there's a very special format that is very different from what people have experienced. So that adds a ton of value to that initial relationship. And then we're talking to them for about an hour with amazing content and amazing things that obviously is going to serve the audience. During their interview, we obviously mentioned what we do. So the, the guest normally hears it about a couple of times before we go and do the ask at the end of the session with them. And we don't do the ask live. This is kind of like a behind the scenes thing, but it's a very specific set of questions that we ask with that, hey, you know, by the way, this is what we do. Either we're looking for people that we'd love to connect. I don't know if this is for you, but we would love to show you a little bit of it behind the scenes. We've seen the things that you do on content. And again, we go for those people that we know that they might be publishing, that we might suspect that they might have a team, but it's not fully developed. Maybe they need that fractional team. Maybe they have a freelancer, a couple of team members. And that's where we fit between the do it yourselves and the full production team. And we've actually had people on the show that we have this and they're very excited that we jump on the call. And they're completely honest with us. They're like, hey, guys, I love what you guys are doing. I have a full-on team that I have on staff. Here, let's do it. So we add value. Well, guess what? They've introduced us to amazing people also as referrals because their team does not going to do it for those other friends and business partners, but maybe we are the option for them. So that has been a very valuable. And what we've been trying to do over the last two years is optimize that process for consistency.
0: So one of the things that I feel like is awkward and I also struggle with where... You are talking to somebody when you're a content creator, you're there to produce content with them, but then there's always this desire to be like, well, let me show you behind the curtain and show you the menu of the things that we can do for people like you and bridging the gap between, okay, we're going to create content and here's some other products and services and we can have a commercial relationship always feels a little awkward to me. How have you guys gotten over that sort of awkwardness or how do you transition from, hey, you're here to be interviewed on the Content is Profit podcast to, hey, here's what the Biz Bros products and services are?
2: I used to struggle a lot with that. You you might also get two different answers, by the way. Yeah, from time to time, (laughs) I might still get that thought in my mind.
0: You're brothers, but not identical twins.
2: (laughs) Part of what I would say is one of our advantages when it comes to the platform is just like you mentioned at the very beginning you told us hey guys be yourself right and we're like cool we're gonna be yourself and i remember the very first guest that we had in our podcast we were looking at each other and we told each other like we gotta be yourself we cannot just do an interview like some other people in here and there right like let's try to be different let's try to be yourself and ourselves sometimes is awkward very awkward let me tell you ben And we wrote this intro for our guest. At that point, our first guest was our coach, but he always referred himself as, he has like big eyes and things like that. So we wrote all this thing in the intro. We're like, and he has big eyes and he calls himself the capitalist, whatever. And we read the intro before we brought him in. And we look at each other and and ask, what if he like leaves? What if he doesn't like this (laughs) and, and goes away? And we're like, well, I guess we just do a solo episode. And we read the intro to him. We had some background music. We tried to make it a party. We're Hispanics. We got to make everything a party. <laughs> and, and as we're saying the intro, we're looking to his eyes and his eyes just open. And the feeling was of acceptance of immediate rapport building. Like this guy, you could tell in his eyes is like, this is so much fun. I want to hang out more with these guys, right? After we recorded that episode, we talked to each other for a little bit and we just reflected on the moment and realized that we need to do it this way for every single guest. We need to create a craft intro and make it energetic and just upfront, try to build as much rapport as we could. So that's what we've done in over 300 episodes now with every single guest. So when we get to the end of the show... There's so much rapport build. There's so much trust between each other. And at the same time, you are providing a platform for them that is the law of reciprocity that starts playing out. So the way I got over that hump was first thinking, cool, like we have a cool relationship. If we have a real relationship, I wouldn't be afraid of asking them for a favor. And I'm not afraid of asking them for a favor because we already provided a lot of value to them throughout having them on the platform. But what really helped me was the way we worded the question and we actually got this from a book called exactly what to say from phil jones i don't know if you're familiar with that
0: no but i gotta read it now
2: it's great it's a short read the audiobook is like an hour it's kind of like a podcast but it was funny because i actually opened the book (laughs) and it was the very first phrase that he shared and i was like whoa what a great way to present an offer and the way you present the offer was hey, I don't know if this is for you, but, and then you add whatever you want the the ask to be. And the reason being the science behind it is because when you say, I don't know if this is for you, most people think, but what if it is, (laughs) right? I want to hear, and immediately they get curious. So we tell them, hey, I don't know if this is for you, but this is exactly what we do. And we would love to show you the behind the scenes to see if whether this is a fit for you or for somebody that you know, or maybe we can do some sort of collaboration. I'm not kidding. We don't have the exact data. We actually need to do this homework. But I would say probably around 70% of people that we bring in, they say, absolutely. And you can tell that it's with zero friction that they say, absolutely. They say it with total confidence. They actually are excited to jump into that conversation with you. And then immediately in that part of the conversation, we just put it on the calendar.
1: There was a lot of inner work, right? Like at the beginning, because we played the business for six years. So who are we to say like that? Now this was the opportunity that was gonna work, right? There was a lot of doubt because initially we were the ones executing on that product or on that service. So we're like, okay, we gotta do this. Once we started executing and having the results, right? The moment that first sale came in, that was the opportunity for us to bring people on. And that was something that was really challenging personally for me, Because it was the baby, right? It was the framework. It was this thing that we were executing. Once we brought them, they elevated that to a thousand. And we were like, oh my gosh, everybody needs this. This is so good. And the feedback that we were getting from the clients was so powerful that we're like, okay, if they're producing content, this is a service. This is a disservice if we don't actually offer this. so To me, that was my personal tool to move the conversation forward. After we build that rapport, because, you know, we have this this cookie analogy, right? You continue to give cookies to somebody and then you ask for one cookie in return. They're not going to get mad. So we just try to load them with cookies at the beginning of the relationship to then go and go for that ask uh, the way that Fonzie described it. And it feels good. And the people are really honest. If they're going to say no, they're going to say no. And that's okay.
0: I actually asked them before the podcast interview in the onboarding process, we send everybody through Uh, Speaker application form and on the speaker application, we have questions that are like, you know, are you interested in cutting the line? Do you want to be part of the sponsorship program? Do you want us to do help you promote your content? That's our content syndication platform. Are you interested in retargeting the people that listen to you as a speaker? So we ask all these questions, which are basically like, are you a yes or a no for our five products? There's no immediate follow-up with the exception of the sponsorship program, because that's something we have to tackle up front because it changes the amount of content we produce for someone. But when we ask those questions up front, when I get to the end of the interview, if we do decide to work with the person that's filled out the speaker application, I can go through and be like, oh, it looks like you said you were interested in this. Let me tell you about that product. Now, some of the times they're not the one that's filling out the speaker application and they have no idea what I'm talking about because their PR rep just checked off some boxes, but at least it's an indication of I'm listening to you and I'm not trying to sell you something that you're not interested in.
2: Absolutely. And this is something that we've bumbled upon recently. We were so obsessed, at least I was very obsessed with looking for the shiny object and trying to use other people's house and implement it in our business. And sure, you can find other people's house and implement in your business. And yeah, they can work. But what we realized was that, hey, based on our capacity and resources, we can develop our own how. And everybody can do exactly the same thing. And it sounds like that's what you did, right? It's like, hey, these are my resources. And also, you have, I would consider your podcast, you know, a bigger platform that it's already a great way to leverage. So. I actually see you asking those questions up front. It's a very smart way to do it, psychologically speaking, because you are status-wise pretty up there. People really want to be on your platform. And then the transition they're like, oh man, I just want to go work with them.
0: The thing that sticks out to me is authenticity, is that you guys have found a way to deliver the message in a way that feels authentic to you, which makes the other people that you're working with comfortable, which makes them open to receiving the information. It's one of those things, like, I've heard different stories about you should start your podcast with a cold open because you want to get people into the content right away. You know, with our podcast, we hit them with the music first. We try to set the tone and the vibe and everybody does their podcast. And that's what feels right for us. Everybody's a little bit different. And, you know, I want to be comfortable in my recording environment. I want my guests to see that I am comfortable so they feel comfortable. And then if there's a business relationship that comes out of it, so be it. Everybody's a little different. If you're just a salesy dude, let it rip. Just sell all the time. If you're a little bit more relaxed, seems like you guys and I are on the same page. You have to find a way that's a little bit more relaxed and and give people an out or the ability to hear the information and make their own decisions.
2: Absolutely. There's this thing that we call the three piece of differentiation and is product processes and personality. And throughout the podcast, we kind of discover that personality is one of our biggest assets, right? At the end of the day, we're like, man, we put on a party. Like you said, we try to be as authentic as we can. And when we make mistakes in our podcast, we're like, whatever. We actually want people to see when we make mistakes or we say that our English is not very good looking. And sometimes we just mix up some words, right? Just the last episode, I told my brother, you're going to paint your hair pink. (laughs) Right, instead of like, you're going to dye your hair pink, whatever.
0: Yeah, Not happening, by the way. For the record, they both have dark hair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can make a bed. You guys can pick a brother, and the loser has to paint their hair the pink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we kind of like started leaning a lot more into the personality. And honestly, has worked wonders. And at the end of the day, the goal is to build an honest and real relationship regardless of that turning into a business opportunity or not. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we've had people that we haven't done any sort of business with them, but then they come back and we see them in a conference and they're incredible friends. Or when they think about, oh, this other person needs content, I know the best bros, right? And then they refer them to us. And it has happened a few times.
0: Yeah. And I'll leave it. It goes the other way as well. Do you know what you call a well-paying, pain-in-the-ass client? No. You call him a pain in the ass. <laughs> Right. You gotta build the relationships with the people that you actually wanna work with because otherwise you're still in the ATM phase. You're anything for money. Absolutely. you're not enjoying what you're doing. You won't feel authentic. It's just not worth the effort. Guys, I have to say that talking with you for the last couple of days, you have an infectious enthusiasm. And I can see why you've been so successful and I can See why people are willing and excited about working with you. Congratulations on all your success with the content is profit podcast with BizBros. Thank you. And thanks for sharing some of the lessons with us.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: All right. And that wraps up this episode. Thanks to Luis and Fonzie Camejo, the founders of BizBros, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Luis and Fonzie, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profiles in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter. Their handle is Biz Bros Co. That's BizBrosCo. That's B I Z B R O S C O. Or you can visit their company's website, which is contentisprofit.com.
1: All right, guys, I am back. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Thank you so much for downloading all of them. Downloads is what help us out. So please go ahead. Every time we show on your feed, just click download. You know, if it's something that you like and enjoy, please leave us a review. It always helps whether that's good or bad. We're very lucky that we've been getting a ton of good reviews. So thank you so much for that. Uh, But with that said, guys, thank you so much for coming to the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on your favorite platform and on social media at Biz Bros Go. Go ahead and share it with three of your favorite people so they can get all this momentum and be the best that they can be in business and in life. See you guys soon. Bye.